My interview with Kevin Hunting and the timing of me having to record this preamble was so, so perfect. (laughs) I almost didn't jump on here today because I simply wasn't feeling myself. And to share a bit of a personal story, my third child, my daughter, just left for Florence, Italy. And as we speak, she's still not arrived in Italy. They had some issues with their flights, their delays, etc. And so as a mother, (laughs) as a person who has a child still in my care, I worry and I'm not my fullest self. But then I reflect on my conversation with Kevin Hunting, who shared about leadership and how we're feeling and how it permeates how we show up in the world and its impact on others. I realized I had to pause and reflect before recording this preamble. And so With a renewed mindset, I am so grateful that we have the opportunity to send my daughter to Europe to experience the deep culture of Europe and especially Florence, Italy, as she is a third-year architecture student. And just knowing she is going to come back an enriched person, an enriched adult. And for that, as a mother, I am proud. And so I turn to you as a leader. Sometimes we have these moments and we have to not react, but think before we do and respond in a respectful and responsible way. Hence the insights from Kevin Hunting on emotional intelligence. Let's listen to this amazing conversation. Many leaders are probably leading from what I call a frame of reference of I win, you lose. Things are right or wrong or good or bad. And that frame of reference that dichotomy will actually have longer-term implications for your employee engagement, employee retention, morale, in your own state of being. If you're consistently leading from a place of fear and you're experiencing anger, frustration, irritation, and that is seeping into how you lead, especially your thoughts, it's certainly going to start to permeate the types of decisions that you're making. Most people never equate what they're feeling with their performance, but there is clear data and research around this idea that if you're leading from that type of a place consistently, there will be long-term implications to not only you, but your team, and then ultimately the organization. Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of the Drop in CEO brand, and I want to thank you for joining us for another, I promise you, amazing episode where I get to speak to amazing leaders and share their insights with you. And if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and tell others so we can help everybody out there that seeks to take control of their career and navigate with confidence. And so now it is my honor to share the mic with my guest, Kevin Hunting, and he says, we live in unprecedented times where so many professionals and individuals are feeling overwhelmed, stressed, and disconnected. 
and are looking for sustainable ways to lead from a place of empowerment resulting in greater overall satisfaction, fulfillment, joy, and ease. This is where Two Steps Forward Coaching thrives. He supports overwhelmed leaders and purpose-driven organizations to develop the EQ necessary to lead with greater kindness, inspiration, and impact. Kevin, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So I am so grateful to the network. A shout out to John Narrell, I think, who introduced us. I so, so appreciate getting to know Kevin. And for my listeners here, you know, we offer a lot of leadership advice and how to get feedback and all kinds of things. But I don't think we spend enough talking about how we lead and especially around emotional intelligence. And another thing that we are going to spend a lot of time on is what he has branded leading kinder. And it is so important for you to listen because I really, really honestly want you to think about how you lead and different ways you can lead to get a different outcome in your career and reach your career goals. So Kevin, I give you the floor. Please share with my listeners about yourself personally and the work that you're doing now. Yeah, thank you. So as you know, Deb said, I really am focused on EQ is just a topic that I'm very passionate about. And I feel like it really is at the crux and core of what makes for top performing leaders, people who have higher EQs. Again, my focus also is helping really purpose and mission-driven individuals and organizations to develop that EQ so that they can lead with greater kindness, impact, and overall kind of effectiveness in their organizations. You know, one of the big questions that I put out there at the statement that really fueled my Leading Kinder program is that it's sort of changing, I think, the paradigm of leadership by asking this one question, which is, really, what if the primary measure of effective leadership is what you feel? I think that's a really critical component for any leader to assess their overall performance at any given point in time, is if you're leading and you've been feeling stressed, but you feel stressed or worried or carrying a lot of that anxiety, maybe 20, 30, or 40% of your time, you know, it might be time to actually stop and, and start to look at how you're leading because it doesn't have to be that way. There is a, there's another path. So leading kinder is really founded in that question. That is sort of the crux of where leading kinder came from. And as you mentioned, it's so much more complex, dynamic. The challenges that they're faced with is creates a lot of that stress, anxiety, and mental health issues that we've seen and all of the research that's being published. And so this is, this is one outlet for individuals to be able to understand how to better manage that for themselves. You know what I love about this? This is bringing back some memories for me. I remember that, again, I was at a point in my corporate career where, you know, we were pushing hard and not getting those results. And then I realized that I had to lead differently. And my goal was to remove the barriers from the people, whether it was stress, mental, things that they felt about themselves and their own performance. And I write about this in my book, that while leaders seek results, they're actually in pursuit of peace of mind. And peace of mind is helping your people close their performance gaps, not necessarily about the specific business goal, but what are those leading indicators of, hey, they avoid conflict. Hey, they don't know how to articulate a message or interact with difficult situations. If I can remove those barriers, and again, this leads into even more, how were they feeling? I don't, I think I remember asking how they were feeling. It was a little bit more about 
those difficult conversations. But I love what you say as you add this additional element of how are they feeling and you can measure it. I want to understand a little bit more, and I don't want you to give away the secret sauce or anything like that, but tell us a little bit more, some insight or glimpse into how do we then measure how are you feeling? Because it's rather broad. It is a broad statement, but in building emotional awareness, which is really at the, that is the basis to develop higher EQ is, is becoming more aware of what your emotions are telling you. Or even for me in my day to day, I listen to my emotions and actually go through this exercise. There's one question that literally, it seems like it's complex that just can bring this to the forefront for any leader, which is what am I feeling? If you just ask yourself and started to journal that or take note of it in a very intentional way, you can start to understand what your emotions are going to be, are telling you. Now, to make sense of that might obviously that you need to go into a little bit more of the, the details in terms of understanding what that means for a particular leader. But just that simple question of what am I feeling emotionally can be a great starting point. And checking in with yourself so that you can start to build that awareness. Without the awareness, it makes the other part of it, the, the sort of part that is further down the road, which is helping you understand how to make sense of what your emotions are actually telling you. And then what does that mean in terms of performance? So I think that one question alone is critical. And I don't, I would argue that many leaders don't really spend any time in that space. They're typically just running, going looking at their list of to-dos and just staying focused on that without ever really taking time to stop and check in with themselves. I'm going to go there just a little bit because I, yesterday, and I feel bad for the people that I canceled some appointments. It got to the point where it's like, I love talking to people, but I'm just not digging it today. I just want to be by myself. I want to read a book. I want to float around the house. I actually was dreading talking to people when I normally like to. So I was brave. I asked for forgiveness. I canceled those appointments and I was just doing whatever I wanted to do because I said, I'm not feeling it. But I guess my next question is for those people that don't pause and ask that simple, powerful question, what am I feeling? How does it start manifesting? Because I want people to see that's me. (laughs) And maybe they need to start asking that simple question. How does it start showing up for these people? So. The way that it will start showing up typically is most leaders, many leaders are probably leading from what I call a frame of reference of I win, you lose. So a lot of leaders typically are looking at things maybe that are, you know, things are right or wrong or good or bad. And that frame of reference, that dichotomy is actually what may appear to be just as like a default mode for most people will actually have longer term implications or your employee engagement, employee retention, morale, in your own, actually, your own state of of being, I would say. If you're consistently leading from a place of fear and you're experiencing anger, frustration, irritation, and that is seeping into how you lead, especially your thoughts, it's certainly going to start to permeate the types of decisions that you're making, whether those are strategic decisions, whether those are, you know, decisions that are going to affect your people, the technology and processes that you are trying to better, right? You're trying to typically improve and look for efficiencies. So it's interesting that most people never equate what they're feeling with their performance. 
but um, it, there is clear data and research around this idea that if you're leading from that type of a place consistently, there will be long-term implications to not only you, but your team, and then ultimately the organization. So it's almost a non-negotiable. It really is a non-negotiable because leading from what I described, that place is the opposite of what a growth mindset is. And a growth mindset is what most businesses talk about. Uh, many entrepreneurs talk about growth mindset. The same thoughts don't, don't allow you to play in those spaces. And so you have to be able to understand what your emotions are telling you so that you understand where you are. Just making sense of where I am at is a great starting point. So one of the things that comes across my mind, and you and I have talked a bit about this, and I want you to bring it up for my audience, is that there could be an individual or individuals listening right now that say, oh, yeah, I totally get this, but I got to convince my boss. Or there is a boss that has a budget, wants to bring you in or your services, but they're not yet ready. They're just trying to find a way to justify it. So how would you frame this up for somebody that has that awareness, believes Raising the EQ education is valuable, but can't necessarily justify it. How would you help them? There are four key stats that I can share with you that speak to, you know, those C-level individuals typically that that are very data-driven or might want that data and science to, to be able to back up any kind of recommendations. One being, I think this is a really powerful one, that PepsiCo actually performed an internal study revealing that managers with highly developed EQ skills outperformed yearly revenue targets by 15 to 20%. So we're talking real impacts to bottom lines in terms of revenue and performance when it comes to EQ. Another key factor is that this was a study, I believe, that was done out of Berkeley, but if there's a 40-year study that found that EQ was 500 400% more powerful than IQ when predicting who would have success. So 400% isn't 100%, right? It's four times that. So that's that's pretty powerful when you hear that stat. And then another one, which just comes down to thinking about it on an individual level is typically individuals with higher EQ make more money on average annually than those who score lower. And when I say that, that number is about $30,000 on average that you make. So it the results are there. The research is there that shows that this is, it has an impact. And I think, Deb, the piece that I don't want to play down is the biggest of value is not maybe everything that I just described, but if you're able to have greater levels of overall satisfaction and let more ease and more joy, even, I know that sounds crazy to say, but to have joy as a leader, what would that mean to you? What value? would that mean to you if you, if that were possible? And it is possible. So I just want to go there on a personal note is that, you know, I'm forever in search of the right client. I would love more clients, but I will tell you when I leave the clients that I do have, you know, they say things like we couldn't have done it without you. You know, I'll say this is the end of our contract. So, but they said, but, 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 but can we stay in touch with you? We got this other project. They want to keep me on a short leash. That joy really supersedes like, okay, I could have a little more in the bank, but it really supersedes and is, I think there's a little bit more longevity in that feeling about, okay, I am doing the right work. I am on the right track. I want to ask another question of you because I don't think I've ever asked this of you. This work you're doing now, 
and we're going to get even deeper into it. I never really understood how did you arrive at this pursuit, this kind of work, as well as your leading kinder platform. Was there a pivotal point? Was there, you've always been this way? Or was there something that just said, aha, this is the work I'm going to do? I mean, leading kinder as a concept was really born from something that I think is just a part of who I am. And I can tell you, Deb, I think there was there is a moment of time where I sort of stepped away from from really tapping into that piece of who I am when I worked in corporate. I worked in for large Fortune 500 brands for over 17 years in e-commerce, digital marketing, CRM. And I, what I can tell you is, I think that the ability for us as, as people, as humans, to be able to connect with one another, to be able to learn from each other, to be able to experience that connection, that deep connection that can happen because of a human experience or common experiences that we can both relate to is what to me is, I think it just drives me. It's hard for me to explain, but I have a very deep passion. I guess what I would call it is just sort of, you know, for bettering the world in which we live. And that's a huge task. I know it kind of sounds maybe an overly like big task, but what I do know is I'm doing my piece. I'm, I feel like that's what I'm here to do. And, and that's the work that I do. I feel like, you know, leading kinder is about tapping into and having the kindness, respect, indecency, and compassion for ourselves as individuals first, so that we can, be, we can give that to others. And I do feel that, you know, in today's world, I feel like this is needed. This is really needed. I think when you see what's going on, globally, even within the United States and sort of our political system, we have lost the ability to just be able to see and hear and treat people with respect just for being human. That's it. For being a human being, nothing more. And so that's where this, in my heart of hearts, is born from, this whole idea and concept. You know, I think that's a really important moment there that I want people just to reflect on is just really seeing, hearing, and feeling humans because we can have a Zoom call, we can have a quick phone conversation. We're so focused on the activity. But how often do you just look at the person? Maybe you don't even hear what they're saying, but you're looking at their aura and their being and the tension in their body or the excitement of them. Do you take note of those simple cues? I think it's really, really important we just pause on that because otherwise we're not experiencing the full human and know what kind of treatment. For instance, you may want to have a meeting, a serious talk with somebody. But if you take the time to see what's actually going on, you might not have that maybe serious talk, that one there where there could be some conflict, but you might actually ask a different set of questions and discover something more deeply about what's going on with that person. And to Kevin's point earlier, what are you feeling? <laughs> These are critical. Funny enough, those are all skills associated with EQ that you just mentioned, is being able to sort of truly see the person, your direct report or a peer or, you know, again, another fellow C-suite member. Being able to do that is what creates solid relationships. It builds respect. It builds collaboration. It builds a high-functioning, performing team. And it's the opposite can be said, obviously, for those that experience leaders who they're not really checking in. They're not getting curious, what I call curious with their people to understand what's going on with them. A lot of times, I'm sure leaders are just making sort of, they know what needs to get done and they're responsible for it. And that may be happening, but the how becomes so much more important. How that work gets done is where 
it's gold. It's just that's what it makes a great leader a really great leader because they are aware of how it's getting done versus maybe that leader who doesn't have the awareness, who just thinks that it's like we just need to push through. I don't need to hear what's going on. I don't need to hear. Nope. Just keep your eye on the prize and let's, you know, it's so you can see the difference there and how it might play out in a, again, a corporate or any work environment for that matter. You know, when we're on these calls again, I know our listeners are in the background to this conversation trying to glean some <laughs> insights. But for, for me, honestly, it's bringing back some memories. Like I'm reliving some memories and I had some great managers that, you know, hey, what do you need for that report? If you need help with that strategy, the conversations we would have would be very focused on that. And I wish they would ask me, and how are you feeling? Because I will tell you, there was a time of crisis and a colleague of mine was in my office. We were working on the tactics and the strategy. And they asked a question, not was, how are you feeling? But they said, are you up for this? Do you look stressed? And at the moment when I'm in the heat of it, it's like, I actually said, are they doubting my capability? Should I be stepping aside? I actually took offense to that. Are you up for this? Rather than trying to help me or what have you. But I wonder, I wonder if that person was sensing something about how I was feeling, but the words and the language, are you up for this? could have been their way of saying, how are you feeling? And I may not have recognized that at that time. Maybe. <laughs> Words are important. I think that's what I'm hearing you say too, <laughs> right? Is how you say it is just as important in terms of how someone might receive it as well, right? Like receive that question. I was probably too stressed and nobody was asking how I was feeling. So that's how I took it. But, you know, I reflect back to that moment, taking the higher road. Maybe they sincerely cared. And honestly, for my well-being, maybe it was no longer the right time for me to be in that role or that project. Now, I definitely want to showcase some of the work you did. I'm sure people are more interested and want more resources, but you do have an offer where you can give people a six-week experience to learn more about this. So can you just tell us a little bit more about some of your programs? So if somebody did want to engage with you, they know what it looks like in your approach. Sure. So I do have, as you mentioned, Leading Kinder, which is a six-week program that focuses on really a lot of what we've been talking about. The crux of the program is built around really EQ. There are six six total modules, and the first one is really helping leaders understand their sort of individual professional style and stopping to take that time to start to understand who they are being today and what it might look like if they're being a more optimal or a better performing leader and doing some gap analysis. So it it starts there. And then the build on that becomes going into building awareness around EQ, emotional control, emotional awareness. We then get into some, some key elements that I think impede, typically impede leaders' abilities to lead effectively or optimally, which is I just talked about it earlier, binary thinking. So this idea that it's good or bad, right or wrong, we get into really get into the nuance of, of how that can be problematic, typically as a leader. And then we follow up with an, a module on compassion and curiosity as two really powerful leadership skills that allow you to build effective, high-performing collaborative teams, not only with your directs, but also with peers and anyone else. And then we kind of round it out by looking at listening and how listening as a leader becomes a big differentiator. Most leaders, I can tell you, aren't really listening to what's being said. 
they're probably listening, thinking about whatever they're going to say or want to say, but that's the crux of this program. And it's built around just, again, what I've seen and my experience with my clients and also the feedback that I've gotten, that there's just, there isn't a lot of information there that helps build the EQ side of the equation for many leaders. And so this allows them to step into that space, into a safe space and be able to do it. You know, you just said something that is near and dear to my heart is the art of listening, because again, we're very action focused. We're rewarded for quick thinking, speaking a lot, putting our thoughts out there. And sometimes we create noise, but often if a a leader is in a situation where maybe it's a tough problem, filling space with just talking or other people just talking is not going to get you any closer. And I find that there's great wisdom when a leader learns how to just listen and listen (laughs) and take in a lot of data. And only once when they finally have a point of clarity, then they speak and reframe what they heard or maybe ask another well-placed question to evolve the conversation, allowing the team to discover and evolve whatever the solution is or what they're trying to build. So I think that is a skill for everybody, whether they're trying to build up more capability in the area of EQ, but just as a core leadership skill, listening is one of those things that will serve you quite well in the future. Yeah. So couple more things I just want to ask you about. One of the things you write about on social media is the eight characteristics of highly emotionally intelligent people. I want people to kind of search your work out on social media, see all of the content that you put out there. But when we talk about the eight characteristics, is there one or two that you want to talk about that people can say, hmm, I got it, or mm, I'm missing that and I better read up on it? Again, there are two that come to mind, and these are really based on my experience with my clients and what I see t- kind of rises to the surface in terms of priorities. The first one is just conflict, conflict resolution, or what I would call conflict avoidance for many leaders. And so that is one area that really does define a highly developed EQ leader is being able to step into those spaces and have, I don't even call them tough conversations, to just be able to have meaningful conversations with anyone that this needs to happen with and to create a space where it is a conversation of mutual respect, but founded in an aim or a goal in terms of how these two individuals can improve their performance together. How can they work better together and typically or solve a problem together if a problem needs to be solved? But the idea is the word conflict is a bit I feel problematic as well because when most people think they're going to go into something and there's going to be conflict, they're already getting ready. They're kind of getting prepared for that fight response mentally. And I think that sets you up for it versus if you went into it thinking, what's the opportunity for me to improve my relationship or improve the way I work with this individual? It kind of reframes the whole discussion or conversation that you would have and how you would be showing up during that discussion. So that's one. The second, which we've been touching on time and time again, is just having sort of the awareness and self-reflection. The idea that you are taking time in your week, in your day, whatever that may look like or what seems reasonable and feasible for you as a leader, taking the time to stop and check in with yourself and really, really answer the question, like, how are you leading? You know, if you had to rate your levels of satisfaction, it's a great place as well to start. In terms of your performance, you, you know, if you look at it on a weekly basis, 
there might be a week where you rate yourself a two in terms of how you felt your performance went in terms of your level of satisfaction. And there might be weeks where you're saying I'm an eight or a nine on a 10 point scale, but to, to do that, to be doing that on a more regular basis so that not only understanding, but it getting into the why, what was it that, you know, made you rate yourself, let's say a two in that week and to be able to gain the insight from what you've learned that will help you be a better leader as you continue to move forward. You know, all this insight also translates into your personal life, family, community, friends, et cetera, because you can be short with somebody or say, why aren't they returning my text? Like my daughter might say, or things like that. You know, we can get upset at the world. And yeah, we have a right to be upset at things. If things don't meet our standards or beliefs, that's okay. But then how we respond to things. And then again, if you got energy from your reaction or did it drain you and you just feel so tired, just taking inventory of how you feel. Again, we are on this world a certain amount of time. And time is valuable. And we want to make sure that to your point, we want to lead kinder, live kinder, have more joy in our lives and and alleviate as much stress as possible or be better equipped to deal with it when it becomes a fact of life, because not everything will be good, but how can we better manage it? And again, maintain those relationships with people that are in our care or people we sincerely care about. So Kevin, amazing. You have so much to offer and I absolutely want people to learn more about you and your work. Any last thoughts you want to share with our listeners or how best can they absorb more of your work? I think again, just if EQ to you, it speaks to you as a a leader and it should, because again, all the science that shows that it's such a critical factor in determining your success, I would, you know, step out, find ways to connect with either Deb or myself because there are very specific coaches are one of the, the optimal ways for you to be able to explore this topic in a very structured, not overly structured, but in a structured way that helps you find where are those gaps in terms of where you need to grow and to be able to fill in the gaps and work through that so that, again, you're improving your performance. I think most leaders want to improve their own performance. I don't think I've ever met a leader who's told me I don't, but that would be one thing. Just reach out especially if you're just curious to want to learn more, please do that. And you can find me obviously on my website. It's at twostepsforwardcoaching.com. And that's the number two, twostepsforwardcoaching.com. And then also in social media, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And the handle is at twostepsforwardcoaching. And again, the number two. Kevin, I so enjoy this conversation. I almost feel like this entire conversation and topic was the missing link for me as I navigated my career. So for those who have listened, if you feel something is not right, something is missing to be fulfilled in the work we're doing and just have joy, definitely check out Kevin's work. I'm glad that I have discovered Kevin in his work as well as others. So I just want to wish you continued success and thank you for being an amazing guest on the show. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. My new book, The CEO's Compass, will change the way you think about leadership, navigate rapid transformation, and elevate the leaders of tomorrow. If you're feeling off track, the CEO's Compass Assessment will guide you to peace of mind in days, not months. You can learn more about the CEO's Compass by visiting my website at dropinceo.com. Now go out and lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.